I want us to really be seeking God with every fibre of our being here this morning. Matthew 7, and it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. That's everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's wonderful scripture. And I just want to welcome you this morning and I want to pray that as we come here to worship God this morning, it's great, isn't it, to be together in God's house, but that we would come seeking with every fibre of our being, with our eyes, with our ears, with our hearts, seeking our God this morning. Don't we want to do that? We don't want to just come here because it's Sunday morning and it's where we should be. But we want to come expectant, seeking that our Lord Jesus Christ is really here right now in our midst and we are going to have a beautiful, powerful, intimate encounter with him here this morning. So welcome, welcome. And welcome Lord Jesus as well. Hey, we've got lots and lots of announcements, lots of exciting things happening. One of the really great things is that next Sunday... Lord, we can't forget how we prayed when we sang to you that beautiful song, How Great Is Our God. We can't forget when we heard your word that if we really ask, if we really seek, if we really knock, then you want to respond then you want to bless us and give us the gifts that we need in our lives. Lord, what an amazing God that you are. Your word also tells us that we are to give and to love our neighbours. And Lord, we come before you because our hearts are at one rejoicing because of the incredible God that you are, the incredible blessings that you give to us, the life that you give to us, the, the spirit that sustains us. And at the same time, we come to you burdened, Lord, because there are things that we still want to ask for and, and we're yet to see your provision, even though we believe. 
And one of those things, dear Lord, as we come before you is rain. Oh Lord, we are desperate for rain. Our land is desperate for rain. Our farmers are desperate for rain. Those that do not require rain or water to actually survive cannot understand. But Lord, we come before you because there are many within our own congregation here, your people, but even so many that aren't, that do not even know what to do next, are so desperate that they don't know how they're going to go on. Oh, Lord, we come before you and we plead. Bring rain, Lord. Let it, let it pour and, and let it just soak into this earth, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you are a good God. We believe in you. We ask this. We also ask that you would continue to do your amazing work in people's lives. We thank you for so many good reports of good health in our people. We thank you for Danica who has come through her operation so well. We pray for Chris Gall at the moment. We pray for Tricia Swaby. We pray for Sam Malpaz. We pray for Bob and Zoe Foster, Lord. Lord, we praise you for all of those that are living with ongoing illness and yet find their strength in you. May you strengthen them, Lord. Lord, we pray that where there are those that are struggling with just being able to make sense emotionally and psychologically of their lives, of their relationships, that, that you'd speak into their lives powerfully, that you'd transform them, that you'd redeem them, that you'd release them from their pain, from their depression, from their conflicted lives. Oh Lord, you desire that your people will be free. The devil seeks to rob, kill and destroy, but you've come to give us life and life in all its fullness. And we give you glory and praise because that is what you want to do. And as we come before you here this morning to further worship you and to hear your word, may we be changed, may we be touched by your beautiful presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Gary. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to worship God together, isn't it? Um, I want to let you know that a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mandy, who's my wife, and uh, Alexandra, our eight-year-old daughter, and Georgia, our six-year-old daughter, uh, we, and myself, we all went away to lawn for two weeks, which you know, you're probably sick of hearing by now. But for those of you that don't know, Lawn is uh, a coastal town on the Victorian coast and uh, it's, it's a beautiful place that we love to go. But at this time of year, we go with low expectations for sunny days. We purposely 
prepare ourselves so that if there is no sunny days, we're not let down and disappointed. Um, Mandy and I love sitting on the beach and we love reading when we're there. So uh, just a few months ago when we went to a garage sale, we were excited when we saw two little beach chairs, you know, with short legs so you can sit in the sand. And they were only three bucks each. So we were beside ourselves, very excited, and we grabbed the chairs from the garage sale and had them in the car as we headed down to Lawn for our holiday. First week, not a sunny day that was good enough for the chairs. But with just two days remaining in the holiday, we uh, saw the sun come out and we grabbed our chairs and we went right down and we went onto the beach. And I can still, you know, remember watching Mandy as she opened out the chair, grabbed her book, you know, settled down in it, thrust her bare feet right into the sand and began reading. You know, I did the same. I opened up my chair and sat down next to her and uh, opened my book. And it's almost just as we opened up a wave of a kind of inactivity holiday bliss just swept over us as we sat there, sat there in our chairs. It was, it was beautiful. And then a small voice uh, threatened to shatter our peace. I mean, my peace, I should say. Dad, can you help me build a sandcastle? It was Georgia, our six-year-old daughter. And I said, Georgia, you can do it, honey. You're really good at sandcastles. She said, Dad, but I want you to help me. I said, uh, no, come on, you can do it. Why don't you make a really great start on it and then I'll help. She said, no, Dad, I want you to help. I can't do it by myself. I said, ask your mother. You know. <laughs> she said, I want you, Dad. Please. So begrudgingly, I sort of got up out of my deck chair and moved down to the part of the sand where she was. And I began what actually became a masterpiece of a <laughs> sandcastle. When... I was finally finished. I went back to my chair and I sat down and opened my book and quickly the feelings of holiday inactivity bliss just swept over me again until I heard another voice, Alexandra. She'd noticed that I had my board shorts on just so that I could get a little bit of sun, uh, wishful thinking, but she said, Dad, Dad, as she looked at my board shorts. Uh, can you come in with, for a swim with us? And this time I was wiser. I was prepared for this kind of thing. So I sat up straight in my chair. I looked at her and with firm but definite words, I said, no. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, but dad, dad, please. And I started making every excuse I could think of. It's too cold. And it is if you've ever been on the coast down in Victoria this time of year, you don't want to go in there. I said, it's too cold. I said, there's no other adults in the water. Have a look. <laughs> I said, the waters are freezing. Can't you see I'm trying to read my book? We want a holiday too, kids. But she just persisted. And as she persisted, I could realise that this was just not a little request that she was doing just to annoy me. She really wanted her dad in the water. 
I don't know exactly when it was, but in her continual persistence, I moved from a definite no to a yes. <laughs> and I moved to a really wanting to go because I knew that she really wanted me to be in there with her. I remember standing in the freezing water like this with a tennis ball that kept splashing me. And I remember looking out and seeing some adults, uh, maybe it was a husband and wife walking by and looking out and they muttered something under their breath. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I don't know how I ever got to be in this situation, but I know that I'm in the right place doing what was pleasing to my kids. Now, look, I want to tell you this today, church. I'm not the perfect father, far from it. I often make mistakes, but God is different. He doesn't make mistakes. He is the perfect father. And uh, I often don't want to meet the needs of my children, especially on holidays and sunny days. But God always wants to meet the needs of his children. I've got to tell you that I often find myself hoping that my kids don't ask for things of me if it's going to cause me some inconvenience. I tell you, God is different. He always grants he wants to grant his children good gifts and he asks that you and I ask him. He wants us to and he wants us to persist. So this morning as we think about receiving good gifts from God, how then are you and I going to make requests to God? How are we going to do that? You know, in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at, uh, Jesus has continued to address the people while he's seated on, on the mountainside and close to him and around him are his disciples who have been following him and they're hanging on every word. And off into the distance, further away, are bystanders interested in what Jesus is saying, but they're not the deeply committed at this point. And as Jesus speaks, in this section he moves from talking about Others, as Gail spoke about a couple of weeks ago in the do not judge, you know, take out the log in your own eye before you start looking at the speck in the other. He moves from talking about relationships with other people to our relationship with God. And do you know what he says in this passage? He says that God wants us to simply ask him, just to come to him. To ask him. In fact, he says that we're to ask, to seek, and to knock. He asks us three times in this first opening verse to make requests to God. Ask, seek, knock. He says them in a way that we will remember them. He says them in a way that if we take the first letter of each word, it just says ask. God simply wants us to ask him, to come to him, to bring our requests to him. Ask and it will be given to you, Jesus says. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus wants us to simply ask him. James reinforced the point in James chapter 4 and verse 2 where he said, you do not have 
because you do not ask God. Ask him. This morning, if you're like me, we ask ourselves, Jesus just simply wants us to ask. But for many of us, asking God is the last option, not the first Often we only ask when all other options have been exhausted, where our back's up against the wall and there's no other alternatives. Then we say, God, help. And Jesus is saying to us today, people, have you got any needs? Simply ask. Just ask me. I, I, I want you to ask. Who knows what prayers would be answered in your life, in the life of your neighbours, in the life of a work colleague, in the life of our church, if we would just ask? Who knows what answers might be received in the body of our sick friends? or in the empty bank accounts of people that are desperate for money just to get by to make ends meet, if we would just ask. First thing Jesus says is that we're to simply ask. The second thing that Jesus wants us to do is to ask him with persistence. I want you to notice the progress in what he asks us to do. He says, ask, seek, and knock. There's a progression in in these words, in the way they're put. You know, if I just am to ask someone to give me something, uh, then all, if I ask him, Mandy, all she needs to do is just give it to me and simply do it and that's it. I've asked and I've received. But if I am wanting something and I don't, can't see it, that I, what the thing that I want, I've got to seek. I've got to spend more activity, more action, trying to get what I want. You know, sometimes I say, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right answer is. Would you give me the right answer? Instead of just asking for something, I've got to seek God on it. I've got to ask. There's more activity required for me. Ask. If you don't get it, seek more activity. And then he says, uh, knock. You know, the implication here is that there is a closed door a door that's shut, a door where it seems impossible for me to get what I'm asking for. And yet God says, I want you to knock on closed doors, even when there seems no way, and it will be answered. You know, Jesus is saying, simply ask, but simply ask and persist in asking. Don't just be shy Don't be timid. Don't be kind of routine. Don't kind of think because you've prayed it, that's it. He's saying persist, ask, seek, knock. Really keep on persisting, he's saying to us. Now, Georgia asked and she didn't get the answer she was looking for. So she began to seek. And I saw that she really wanted me to help. And she wasn't just asking for the sake of it that she really wanted what she was asking. So I turned around and said, okay. You know, Alex, on the other hand, got a slam shut door. No, I said. 
And it took a lot of seeking and persisting and asking and trying before that closed door was open. But I've got to tell you, church, that at any point, if those kids stopped, I would have sat in my book and just enjoyed reading for the rest of the day. I think what God is saying to us is we're not only just to ask and if there's no response, give up. He wants us to keep persisting because it shows that we really want what he's offering. Do you know, the way in which the Greek is put at this, this part of, of the Bible is that uh, in the sense of it's, it's in the present tense, continually unfolding. So, for instance, if I say, um, I asked, that's in the past tense, right? I will ask is in the future tense, right? I am asking is in the present tense, right? The way in which the Greek puts this is ask in the present continuing tense. So what it's saying is ask and keep on asking. Same with the seek. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The persistence is right into the way Jesus says ask, seek, and, and knock in the progression. God is saying to us so clearly, keep at it. You know, this is exactly what Jesus refers to when in uh, Luke chapter 11, he, he talks about a, a story that will encourage us to persist in prayer. He, it says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes out to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before them. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. You know, the door is already locked and my children are with me in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. And then he says, I tell you, though he will not get out and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, Jesus is telling us that we're to be bold in our asking, like the man in the story. You know, don't uh, come across an obstacle and say, well, I asked and I didn't get the answer. That's the end of the story. Keep asking. Because God is not like a friend who doesn't want. He wants to answer, but we're to keep asking. You know, it's also what happens in the story of the persistent widow in Luke 18. Look what it says there. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Persist in prayer, this story is about. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God or cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, 
Will he find faith on earth? A little line at the very end. Will he find faith on earth? Will we be continually crying and praying out, praying to him, asking him on earth? Here, this is clearly an example of God saying, I want you to be like the persistent widow. And the good news is I'm not like the, un, the judge who doesn't fear God or hates people. I am God and I love people and I'm completely opposite. And yet I want you to be like a persistent widow who asks and keeps on asking and persists and persists. God wants us to ask and he wants us to ask with persistence. What are you asking for today? I mean, what are you asking God for that you're wrestling with him about? You know, like Jacob who wrestled with the angel and wouldn't let go until he got an answer. What do you care about so much that you're willing to persist in prayer to have an answer? Jesus says, ask, simply ask. And secondly, he says, ask with persistence. And finally, he says uh, that God wants that us to receive the good gifts that he's wanting to give us. He wants us to receive the good gifts that he's wanting to give us. In verse 8 he writes, For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean... Here, Jesus makes it clear that everyone who asks and keeps on asking, seeks and keeps on seeking and, and, and knocks and keeps on knocking, will, they will find, they will receive, they will have doors open. It's a promise. It's great news. It's encouraging. And it drives us to prayer. Everyone, it says. So it's not just the real super godly or the ones that are incredible prayer warriors or people like that. Everyone who asks receives. It's encouraging news. Now, what will we receive? That's a good question, isn't it? What will we receive? Will I receive bad things, you know, when I ask? No. Surely this passage doesn't say that. God is our loving Father and he won't give us what we ask for if it's bad. He's not going to give us things that are going to be harmful for us or destroy us, even if we think that they'll be good for us. So plasma screen might not be good for us, Wendy. Or, or uh, you know, the different things that we think we might be mature enough to have if, if God would just pour it out on us. You know, God wants to give us good gifts. He says to his listeners... Uh, and he shows them an illustration to help them understand that he wants to give them good gifts. He says to those who might be parents in the group that are listening to him, he says, which of you, which of you out there, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if, he's, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? <laughs> the answer is... It's obvious. No parent, if their son said, can you give me a fish, would give him a snake. You know, no, no parent would give something bad to someone who asked for something good, a kid. 
And then Jesus affirms, God is good and he will give good gifts when we ask him. Notice how he puts this. Notice the argument. He uses an argument that's called a fortiori, which means and how much more kind of argument. This is what he says, uh, just to prove his point that God wants to give good gifts to us. He says in verse 11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So he says, If earthly parents who are self-centred and selfish by nature and prone to sin, and, and we have as our natural bent to do our own thing, not God's thing, and that we're evil people, if we can still, in spite of this, are able to give good gifts to our kids, then how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is not evil. He's completely good. So how much more will he give you and I good gifts when we ask him? God says, you know, call me daddy, call me Abba, call me father. Come, I am your father. And, and come to me. I want to give you good gifts because I'm a good father. And I'm not going to give you what will harm you. The promise here is that God will give good gifts to those who ask him. And in the parallel passage to this passage in Luke, look what it says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? He replaces good gifts again with the Holy Spirit in this passage to those who will ask him. This is what Philip Yancey writes about you know, good gifts and Holy Spirit in these passages in his book on prayer. He writes, in prayer, we request, we present requests, sometimes repeatedly, and then put ourselves in a state to receive the result. We pray for what God wants to give us, which may turn out to be good gifts, or it may be the Holy Spirit. From God's point of view, there is no better response to persistent prayer than the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's own self. Like Peter, we may pray for food and get a lesson in racism. Like Paul, we may pray for healing and get humility. We may ask for relief from trials and instead get patience to bear them. We may pray for release from prison and instead get strength to redeem the time while we're there. You know, God wants to give us good gifts. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit as we ask him and pray to him and simply ask. He says, simply ask, ask and persist and receive the good gifts that I want to give you. You know, yesterday in the Border Mail, uh, there was a report that somewhere around country New South Wales is a mystery millionaire who doesn't realise they are one yet. See, they bought a winning ticket in Thursday night Powerball worth $15 million and that was purchased from a news agency in Goulburn and the prize is yet to be claimed and no one has any contact details of the winner. So somewhere around there, they're, work, they're, they're a millionaire that doesn't know it yet. Now, you and I, we don't have to gamble to receive God's good gifts. That's good news. 
we won't receive them just by chance, one in a million chance. But the good gifts that God offers to us are worth more than millions of dollars and they're waiting for us if we will just ask, if we will just uh, cry out to him in prayer, we have the winning ticket. He says, my children, I love you and I'm good and I want to give you good gifts. So just ask me. I want to ask you this morning, are you praying? Uh, are you asking God? Are you persisting in prayer? You know, my two girls um, were determined to get my attention, to receive what they wanted from me. They were persistent. They were on the verge of pestering. But I soon began to see that what they really wanted was what they were requesting. They really wanted me to act. You know, William Wilberforce, he submitted the same bill year after year after year before Parliament. And he argued persistently, you know, almost pestily. Uh, and like a, the persistent widow, he argued in, in Parliament for the abolition of slavery. I think of uh, Sister Helen Prejean, portrayed in the movie Dead Man Walking, who was interviewed on Enough Rope just a couple of months ago, who now goes tirelessly across the United States pleading against the death penalty. Like a pesty neighbour, she persists. I think of Marg Docking, who has her heart just praying constantly for missions, you know, and she persistently it cries out to God and seeks to build another toilet in the slums of Nairobi, no matter how much the cost. I think of how she tries to grab as many medical supplies every, every time she can go over there just to help one more. I think about the passion that she has for people being fed in Malawi and hearing about the gospel, and I think she's almost pesty. Good on her. I think of the small group of people who will be gathering here next Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock praying for rain. They've been praying once a month, every month this year, and last year, November, September, no, November, October, December. No, hang on, how does it go? September, October, November. Uh, they've been praying weekly in those months, and now they pray regularly. I think they're pesty, they're persistent. They continue on. I've got to tell you, I'm not the world's best prayer, but there are some prayers that I've been praying persistently. You know, I'm constantly praying that I would be a better husband and a better father. You know, I, I just continually to ask that to God to help me be better. I'm praying too that God would give me a greater awareness of the power, presence and promptings of the Holy Spirit in my life. I just long for him to transform me and change me more and more into the person that he wants me to be. I'm almost pesty in asking that prayer of God. I've been praying this year with fervour, you know, uh, that God would help every person in this church to feel connected. Uh, you know, this has been one of our, our goals together and I've been praying it and saying, God, would there be no one in our church that feels left out or on their own, 
I'm just so thrilled today that, you know, 35 small group leaders are going to be, you know, gathering together and going to be encouraged and inspired so that everyone in their groups will feel like they belong in their groups. And I'm excited about Hospitality Day because we're going to get to be in other people's homes and get to know two or three other families that we might never have known before. And I'm praying, God, help this church to feel so connected that no one's left alone. I'm praying too these days that we would grow as a church in spiritual maturity. It's a heart's cry of mine when I'm praying to God that, that you and I, would be saying, God, what are you wanting to grow in me? How are you wanting to transform me? No matter how painful, no matter how challenging, no matter how faith-stretching, I'm praying that more and more people will go, you know what, I love it when I come and get fed on Sunday mornings, but I want to be a self-feeder who's getting up in the morning pulling apart God's word, reading it each day and living it in my life. I'm praying constantly that our church would grow in spiritual maturity, that you and I would grow deeper in our love and maturity for him. You know what else I'm praying? I'm praying that God would use us to reach this community, to reach this community with the good news. I'm praying that doors will be opened that hearts will be opened, that lives would be transformed as our church grows in maturity and as we start to thrive and as we start to flourish, that we would be reaching non-Christians and people far and far from these doors, from, from God at the moment. I'm praying. You know what? This week, Wednesday, I turned 39 years old. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> You know, within me there's a growing urgency before God. You you might think 39's young. And I know some of you are are, are a lot older than that. But I I just know for me, I'm just getting more and more pesty with God. I'm 39! You know, Mandy and I have been here three years and two months in Wodonga and we came with a strong sense that God was calling us here and you did too. And as I turn 39 this week, I'm saying, God, I'm just wanting to be urgent with my prayers that you would, uh, you would flourish. You would help us to, to thrive, that our church would just grow so much in spiritual maturity, in connectedness, in love for one another, that we would burst out in sharing the gospel with people. I tell you, I want to be tenacious in that. I want to be like that persistent widow in my prayers. I want to be one that is unputoffable, that nothing can stop me from praying. And be one that, like Jacob, wrestles with God and gets the blessing. What about you? Church, there is so much God wants to give us. Will you join us in praying? I mean, each week when you get the news, the prayer notes, you know, in your small group, if you're a small group leader, or if you uh, get them sent to you on email, pray, grab them, devour them. Tonight, you know, Phil's uh, saying, tonight, six o'clock before the evening service, come and pray. You know, the deacons just recently, we said, we're going to pray every week now. 
We're going to cry out to God. We're going to ask and seek and knock. And we're going to say, God, have your way in us. We're a church that's devoted to prayer and dependent on God. Let's ask. Simply ask and see what he does. Let's pray. God, today, your church, we just want to tell you that we long to see you move in mighty ways in our lives. And God, we want to take up the challenge to be those that ask and persist and actually believe that what you say is true, that you want to give us good gifts, that you want to give us more of your presence, that you want to fill your purposes, fulfill your purposes in us. We say yes, Lord. We'll be those that pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as you have your news sheets in front of you, there's a blue card. I'd just love you to take that out right in these moments. I'd love you to just spend a few minutes responding. It might be today that um, you want to ask us to pray with you about some issues. Maybe there's some of the deep longings of your heart that you, you want to share. Maybe there's a need that you know about. Why don't you respond to that now? And if there's a decision that you want to make, I just want to encourage you to do that in these next three moments. Let's just respond to what God's saying.